Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. According to Microsoft, a tight-knit group of Massachusetts Institute of Technology Engineering students invented a special device. The machine will allow low vision and blind people to read materials from menus to textbooks. This gadget transforms printed words into Braille on a candy bar-sized device. A group of MIT students known as Team Tactile, recently were accepted into Microsoft's new hashtag Make What's Next patent program. The program allowed Team Tactile to get the necessary legal help in navigating the expensive and complicated process in getting a patent for the device. The group of students just applied for the patent for the gadget on September 16th. Two of the students, Jalin Shi, and Grace Lee, and Microsoft's global advertising team's director of marketing, Jenny Leahy, come to today's show to tell us all about the new device called Tactile. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, everyone. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Jenny, let's start with you. What do you do as Microsoft's global advertising team's director of marketing? Well, I do a lot of different things here at Microsoft um, across our advertising initiatives. But today I want to talk about one of the things that I am most passionate about in my role, um, which is um, sparking conversations that lead to people thinking differently about women in science and technology. Tell us more about it. Yeah, one of the things I can talk to you about today is around our Make What's Next initiative. So last March, um, we went out to a set of girls who love science, and we asked them to name an inventor. And so they came back with answers like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla. And then we asked them if they could name a female inventor, and none of them could name a female inventor. And in that conversation with these, with these girls, we knew we had really hit on something here. And we felt passionate about um, building um, a platform where we could highlight female um, role models and highlight female inventors as role models. Um, because we knew that this would be, one, important, and two, inspiring to parents and teachers and young girls. And really at Microsoft, one of our core beliefs as a company is we believe that diversity in teams um, builds greater innovation. It, it brings in individuals who approach things in different ways, ask different questions, and have different ideas. And we recognize that there's a need for greater diversity in tech and STEM fields, specifically getting women and, and girls excited about technology and STEM, and getting them to stay in these fields. And so part of my job is sparking these conversations online to raise awareness of the gender gap um, and encourage young girls to be passionate about science and technology and to stay engaged in science and technology. 
technology. You know, today women only hold 25% of all STEM jobs, and we'd love to see that change. Um, and so we started this conversation around making what's next and highlighting female inventors. And one of the things that really came out of this was an insight that we would like to help the inventors of today. And so out of that, we built the Make What's Next patent program. Jalen, Microsoft says that you and your fellow students had just 15 hours to build something in the school's technology competition. That something was the tactile scanner. But before we talk about the new device, Jalen, I understand that building the gadget took you 15 hours and it was the most hectic time of your life. Why was this the case? Yeah, so uh, for most of us, it was our first time participating in a hackathon. Uh, and so it was kind of the rush of we had to get a lot of things done in a very short amount of time. Um, also, we kind of went in without a super clear plan. So it was also kind of like making do with what materials were available to us and what services like uh, 3D printing and laser cutting that were available to us and just making the best of the resources we had. Uh, yeah. So like what could have went wrong did go wrong. <laughs> Uh, you know, our team, we designed something to be 3D printed. However, the 3D printer line was really long. It was backed up queue for three hours. Um, and on the other side with the software, we were having issues communicating with our microcontroller. So all of these issues just kept building up. Um, and it, it got pretty stressful. But I think at the end, when it came together, um, that was like one of the highlights of our experience here at MIT. Wow, that must have been a very intense process. Students, how did you decide to create the Tactile Scanner? Um, yeah, so we started this project earlier this year. It actually came out of a hackathon, and we were searching for ideas on what to make. And uh, I saw online there was this really cool Braille watch, and the Braille watch can basically display the digital time in Braille as time changes. I thought that was really cool. So I did more searches around the, you know, the Braille innovation space. I uh, saw that there wasn't really much going on. Um, a lot of technology there has been kind of unchanged for the past few decades. Um, and the technology is really expensive as well. So I proposed to the team, let's try to... Um, create a device that can convert text to Braille, but let's try to do it, you know, cheaply. We don't need all these uh, piezoelectrics, um, all these um, really expensive materials that goes into them. And since then, I kind of, we just kind of been building up the momentum we've been receiving um, on our project. So you wanted to create this machine to help the blind and visually impaired reach those exquisite restaurant menus and the suspenseful mystery novels. But you used a laser cutter and a 3D printer to help create the product. How did the 3D printer and laser cutter help you shape the various portions of this special project? Yeah, so we definitely took advantage of rapid prototyping techniques, especially because it was such a fast-paced environment. We had to get a lot done. And so we actually made uh, the pins um, uh, we 3D printed the pins, and then for the actual, like, uh, encasing, we used a laser cutter. And so it was very quick and easy to do. 
Did you use any other tools? Uh, we definitely used a lot of their electronics. We took a lot of their servo motors, um, microcontrollers. We actually made we actually made two prototypes during the hackathon. So we first made one out of like cardboard and connects, and then we moved on to a more high fidelity 3D printed and laser cut version. What inspired you and the rest of Team Tactile to apply for Microsoft's hashtag Make What's Next patent program? Um, so we uh, we were at this stage where we're getting a lot of you know momentum, a lot of um, like support from the community, and we thought about maybe it's time to think about oh, could we get maybe legal protection through the through some sort of um, you know patent. And we started this conversation over here at MIT. We went to the, you know, the office here and they basically told us because we're undergraduates, um, and MIT doesn't own the right to what we work on, they couldn't really help us. So we were kind of stuck here where, you know, we're kind of broke college students. There's no way we can afford the high fees for a patent and MIT is not able to help us with this. So, uh, we were kind of stuck here. Uh, but then, um, uh, someone who we connected with, uh, at Microsoft during the hackathon actually recommended, um, this new program that they were starting to make what's next program. And we saw it as a, you know, it was no risk to apply to this. We thought, you know, uh, it'd be a great opportunity if we do get it. It will solve, um, kind of our legal troubles. And so we just kind of applied and here we are. <laughs> So did the patent get accepted? Uh, so yeah, we it was filed in September, and we're just waiting to hear back from the patent office. Um, they'll either approve it and and you know move on to the next stage, or they'll you know tell us you need to make some changes. Um, and that process uh, takes anywhere from maybe half a year to uh, one year to hear back. Jalin and Grace, what do you? to see yourselves doing after college? Um, I think at least for me, I'm kind of uncertain, but I'm planning to work for a few years before doing graduate school. Graduate school mechanical engineering, I'm not sure where or what specialty yet. <laughs> um, I, I guess for me, um, I'm also kind of in the limbo deciding between graduate school or work just because I really like school. I really like the culture of being on campus and always learning. Uh, but also, uh, I would definitely like to go into industry and get more, you know, hands-on uh, experience. And I'm definitely interested in, you know, the product design um, aspect, being able to take all the, you know, engineering theoretical knowledge we've learned and synthesize it into creating something that can have impact. And I know that Microsoft does a lot of these initiatives, and definitely Microsoft is one of the companies we would uh, love to work for if we had the chance. So how do Microsoft sources through the Imagine Cup and the Microsoft Innovation Community apply to the patent program? Great question. So we actually, as we were looking to develop this program and, and working with our patent lawyers here at Microsoft and, you know, really looking at how we could offer quality pro bono legal support for these teams, we decided we would go and look in programs that already existed at Microsoft, like 
um, our Imagine Cup program, which inspires students to bring forward their inventions or code um, into this um, competition that really is a global competition. We also look at the Microsoft um, Innovators um, and we look through that community as well. So we pull from those two places and we invite um, female inventors or teams that have a female inventor into the patent program. But what I will say is you can go to makewhatsnext.com and there are a lot of resources um, on that site that allow you to learn more about the patent program or get involved in computer science or um, program specific like our Microsoft DigiGirls program as well. Thanks for the important information, Jenny. I'm going to post it to speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. Students, what are the next steps in terms of further developing and releasing the product to the blind and visually impaired? I hear that one of the steps that you have is working to improve the tactile scanner. Um, yeah, so most of our work is going towards uh, the mechanical braille system, which Grace can talk more about. Yeah, so we're working on uh, shrinking down the braille characters. Right now we have a larger prototype, so we're working on a cheaper mechanism that gets to the standard size of braille. Um, so that's currently a work in, very much a work in progress. And then we're also improving our hardware um, scanning system. Do you want to talk more about the scanning system? Um, yeah, so this uh, tactile is supposed to be able to capture text and convert that into Braille. So we're working on how can we process the text um, effectively? How can we give the user you know, feedback about uh, maybe they've uh, misaligned a little bit or maybe there is no text on this page. So we're working on... Um, the software side, giving feedback to the users about, you know, the world around them, how how um, they should place the device to interpret the text in front of them. So there's two parallel um, sides going on, and it's it's really good for our team because we're a team of different majors. We have, you know, material science, mechanical engineering, uh, electrical engineering, and computer science. So uh, I think it's a really good project for us. Amazing. This is great. If any of our listeners want to get into STEM fields and invent anything they want, what should they do? Um, I think the first step to inventing is really just being passionate about what you're doing. Um, I think a lot of people try to just invent something that's, you know, that they think is new and novel, but they don't really feel passionate about it. And I think that one of the biggest driving factors for our team is that one of our members actually visit a blind school in India, and she was there testing out um, this app for education, and she brought her computer to the school, and the students had never, uh, some of them never experienced what a computer was like, and she saw the pain points of them trying to uh, interpret the environment around them, you know, feeling the keys, uh, feeling the screen. And so I think her experience and what she shared with our team and through our experience with meeting those who are visually impaired um, really drives us to want to make, you know, make this come true. Because there are times when 
uh, you know, we get really bogged down with work and this is not really an academic, uh, like our academics is not depend on this project because it's our independent project and we get really bogged down. Um, but you know, what drives us is, uh, we know the impact that we can make with our invention and I think that's really, really important if you want to make something. Everybody, how do our listeners learn more about you? Check out your new invention and get in touch with you. Um, so you can visit our website, uh, teamtactile.com. And there we uh, post just updates about what we're doing. Um, so we went to the night conference. We posted something about that. And there's also a contact page if they want to contact us. So it will directly go to our inboxes and um, we'll definitely uh, we'll respond very promptly. So that's a great way to reach us. Is there anything else you'd like to add? We're so thankful for um, you inviting us to join you here today. And we're so excited to support Team Tactile with their patent um, and to to hopefully get that in their hands in the next year. So thank you. Everyone, I first want to thank you all on behalf of the blind listeners who want to read their favorite books, newspapers, and menus in Braille. You're an inspiration to those who want a career in science and engineering and want to make a difference in accessibility. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, thank you. Thank you for having us. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program, listeners. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-the-blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hey everybody, this is Tyler Uronic, the host of the Knock on Corn Show, and I'd like to invite you to a grand party. It's time to celebrate my 100th show. Mark your calendars. We're going to party for three hours from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern, Friday, November 18th. The chit-chat's even more fun than the music sometimes. Don't miss the 100th show. 
celebrating my happy six years in radio, right here on ACB Radio Interactive. You are a hoot, Tyler. You are a hoot. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? <coughs> then join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics, providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and replays throughout the day on Thursdays on ACB Radio Mainstream. Happy listening! Saturday nights on ACB Radio Mainstream. Mincing. Flipping. Eating. Yummy! Dropping. I want people to not feel so self-conscious, and I think a lot of blind people do. Now I'm going to flip this pancake. Really? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, sorry. We all can make mistakes and laugh about them. Yeah. (laughs) Don't laugh. This is our promo. Whoops. I think we'll have a lot of fun. What else is there to say? Watch for it. Hey, Debbie, you think we did okay? Yes. Every Saturday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream. Listen to Eyes on Success for information about products, services, and daily living tips for people with visual impairments. We cover everything from the latest advances in adaptive technology to discussions of various jobs, sports, and hobbies. Eyes on Success is aired on ACB Radio Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern and repeated every two hours until 8 p.m. Thursday. I'm Nancy Goodman-Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. We We hope hope you'll you'll join us. Thursday night at 9 p.m. on ACB Radio Interactive, it's Global Beat with Anne Sylvia. I know you're never going to believe this, but before I started listening, I was kind of a pathetic sad sack. The thing you really learn from Anne's show is the pronunciation of a lot of international words. Switch, 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 we're going to switch, switch gears right now, but before that. So, as Anne always likes to say. Yeah, that came out at 63, yeah. If you enjoy spending an evening listening to a wide variety of music, including classic jazz, salsa, reggae, 
Hawaiian, Brazilian jazz, plus much, much more. Tune into Global Beat every Thursday from 9 to midnight Eastern, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget to catch Global Beat on demand at www.acbradio.org slash Global Beat. So, if you're kind of a pathetic sad sack, maybe you should be listening. That's every Thursday night from 9 to midnight Eastern on ACB Radio Interactive. Yeah, yeah, keep going there. Yeah, oh, come on, doggies. I gotta get home and have a beer. Hello. Ah, uh, woman, I told you not to call me here at work again. Women. She nearly made me miss Friday Night Free For All with Larry Turnbull. He rocks out every Friday night from 7 to 10 p.m. right here on ACB Radio Interactive. Yeah, yeah, keep going there. Yeah, oh, come on, don't you? You are listening to ACB.